0: Hey, 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 welcome to Undoing the Complex with Chantel and Dante. We are your hosts for this podcast.
1: You sound like a late night radio show talk host. Well,
0: you asked me to intro and I'm gonna do it my way. (laughs) Um, But without um, much of an introduction, you guys have been rolling with us for a little bit now, um, or maybe you haven't and you clicked on this podcast, but we just wanna say we're so honored that you would take time out of your day to pop in some headphones and listen to us um it honestly means a lot we know that there's a responsibility in living free and whole and going after um vulnerability freedom marriage health all of that fun stuff and it's a cost but we are so encouraged by um, so many of the comments and feedbacks and conversations that we've had with people that listen to our podcast and you guys are the reason we want to do it more even in the full on season of baby Chantel's pregnant and we got kids running around we got full-time jobs businesses that we're doing right now
1: they're currently watching frozen in the other room
0: yeah so that we we
1: could record this real quick
0: exactly and um but y'all are worth it because y'all take the time out to also listen and to glean Mm -hmm. and so we really appreciate you um yeah just wanted to say that before we hop into this episode which is part two of our um, two-part you know conversation interview style where we are sitting with um, a group of creatives and actors um, at a school um, a conservatory art school and um, a lot of good things came out of that conversation and so we just wanted to share it with you guys there's going to be a lot more QA in this space, so you'll hear their voices a little bit. Um, but we a lot of good things came out of this. We ended up after this session, um, people came up to us just asking different questions, and um, it was a special time.
1: Mm-hmm. We had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. And if you guys have any follow up questions from questions people asked, we would love to hear from you and answer your questions too.
0: Yes, I'm gonna say this. Um, I say it a lot, but I mean it. DM us. um,
1: I love uh, getting DMs from y'all.
0: Yeah, but do it right away because you know how you're like, man, I'm inspired or um, I'm really I have questions now. But you're like, oh, I'll do it later. We never get to it. So do it right after this podcast. Just message us on IG. Um, If you're inspired, then um, you can also just, you know, hit that review button and um, write a little comment of how this has impacted you. It really means a lot. And it, um, the feedback, we love it. So, all
1: right, this is part two.
0: All right, (laughs) yep. Her brain just stopped. I saw it. So, uh, without further ado, here it is. Part two.
2: What would you say,
1: Dante? You
0: you said you went to counseling for two times a week for a year. Yes. What was the payoff for you? Yes. I, I love it. I love it. Um, one of the payoffs was uh, going, going for that long, um, I got to create some new pathways and some new ways of thinking yeah. that um, I had a weekly accountability to my word. Because counseling wasn't just me going to receive, it was also me going to make decisions. Me deciding, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna show up to this, or me deciding, man, I'm gonna open up to people consistently, and having having someone weekly that I could go to, that could just share from a place of hope, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. a place of, hey, this works, yeah. you know. And here's the thing, I I meet with guys now who um, have done counseling and they're still where they're at. Counseling doesn't just fix you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there there unfortunately. <laughs> um, there there is a there's a personal responsibility. Um, I, I honestly I feel like the best counselors ask the best questions. That's just my personal that, that you're able to think for your own life. Like I look at I look at counseling as more empowering versus coming to just you know lift you up again because you had a down week but more empowering that even when you have a down week you can still show up um but but there's a season where i just i just couldn't show up and so i went more consistently so that i could create new ways of thinking so that i couldn't show up does so that make sense but i knew that that had an expiration date and that pressure that pressure to actually show up it was a good thing it wasn't, wasn't a bad thing. Bless you. Um, it, was a, it, it was a good thing. And so... Um,
1: and counseling shows your blind spots. That's why I love it. Because you, you have friends and stuff, but they know you and they filter you through how they know you. But counseling can see what you can't see. They're looking at your life from a bird's eye view. And so even for our marriage counseling, they were able to point out blind spots that we didn't see.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of times you just... You're trying to figure, you're learning you. You're learning who you actually are in a real world. And counseling helps identify some of those things. And so it helps identify some of your tendencies, um, where a lot of your um, brokenness or shame comes from, or the fear of punishment, or all, all of the things that stops you from showing up that causes you to pit on a face in front of certain people or that, that causes you to hide when you feel certain feelings. Like it identifies, oh, where did this come from? Because if we can get to the root in a safe space, because counseling is supposed to be a safe space where we can actually get to the root, we're gonna create an environment where you feel like you can walk around and roam in your life without the pressure of the outside world. Does that make sense? That, that's kind of how I look at counseling, so that when I go back to the outside world, I'm able to show up if something tries to attach itself again or whatever. But, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I have like a
2: it's like a three-part question. <laughs> uh, what did your relationship look like before you got married? Were there any red flags that red flags that you saw? Uh, and what was it that made
0: you settle into the relationship and decide that you wanted to yeah. build a life yeah. together? I wanted to break
1: up with her, like, multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> His red flag was I had no close friends. Yeah. He was nervous that I was going to be that person that
0: didn't have any friends. Yeah.
1: And that he was going to have to be my only friend.
0: Right. I have to be everything. Yeah. Because I, I grew up, like, in my community in South Bay, Florida, although it was the hood, <laughs> praise God, <laughs> Um, I, um, I had some really healthy communities that, um, like I was growing up in, I had really close, like, guy friends, um, spiritual, you know, mentors or whatever, um, and so I always had a value for that, and I just wasn't sure she did, because I, I wasn't perfect by any means. Most of my crap came up in our marriage. I thought I was awesome when we were dating, um, and so... There you have it. But um, but one of the values that I've always had was having someone speak into our lives. Um, people that we wouldn't agree with. I think so many times, um, there's two, two things and I'll let you finish it. There's so many times um, we look at, you know, whether it's a mentor or someone um, that's going to speak into your life. Like they either have to look like you or they have to get you completely. That's just not true. I think a lot of times in the, in the um, name of self-protection, we say, oh, you got to check off all the boxes before I let you speak into my life. Wow. And we dis, we disregard people that actually could have a lot to give us. Yeah. This, is, this is done so often where, man, I have no mothers or fathers in my life. I have, I have no one that I can go to. I would I challenge you to look again. Because you have the power to show up to your life. Yeah, that's good. That, that is, um, that's my um, pivot. I don't know if you guys know basketball, but pivot, like the, the anchor that I move around. I have certain anchors that I'm like, I'm not gonna lower um, the truth to my experience. Yeah. Like, man, I, I, haven't, I haven't experienced this yet, but I trust that this is the yeah. thing. This is our faith. <laughs> this is faith yeah. in Jesus. Like, yeah. I, I think he's real, yeah. you know. I, I've even seen healings, but I think he's real. Okay, well, when we die, we're going to actually find out. And there's a reason people, people are atheists out there, yeah. Yeah. because we're all thinking different thoughts. <laughs> and so for me to actually believe, like, oh, man, I... Like where I am, and if I open up, like I'm actually gonna have experience grief. But anyways, I don't remember your question. Um,
1: it was red flags in dating, red flags, red and how flags that we and know that we wanted yes. to pick each other. Yes. Yes. Um, for me, I looked at it a very practical standpoint. I had a lot of unhealthy relationships before him that were all based on my emotions yep. and how that person made me feel and what that person gave me, and so when I was deciding when I got healthy on, on my own, apart outside of a relationship, I used my frontal lobe and not my emotions and my heart necessarily to make my final decision. Of I remember being at home at Christmas in between second year or after second year, and I was thinking if I were to actually date somebody, what, because he was pursuing me for five months and I kept saying no, because I'm like, I'm not gonna get caught up in a swirl again of my I need to figure out me first.
0: It wasn't even a pursuit. It felt felt like you just were a hard no and I was like, no, y- you're the one you will take me. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> so I had to shut it down before Christmas and just take a look at myself of if if I were to actually pick somebody, who would it be? And I would I remember thinking like I want somebody who already has older people in their life like speaking into their life which he had I was like, he has good friends. He actually has solid guy friends that he, all the boys I dated, they didn't have guy friends. They just, I was their everything. And so him, he had people speaking into his life. He had friends around him. People said good things about him. Older people, not just like his bros, but like mothers and fathers in this community were like, he's a great person. And there was one more thing. Oh, you were willing to grow and get better and go after things. And I remember those four things where it was a very unemotional decision for me because my emotions at that time weren't trustworthy. I had to build that back up in myself, but, so I went at it from that perspective of, okay, if I were to actually look, a like, bird's eye view of my life, apart from what my emotions are saying, apart from what my body is feeling when I look at him, what, and when I stand at a bird's eye view and look at the trajectory of my life, do I see him there?
0: steps down the road um I wouldn't say you necessarily have red flags because um, I I feel like um Melissa Casey would, wouldn't have let you date if you had red flags I don't know if you guys know Melissa Casey but she was a, a pastor in this environment um, and she was Chantel's like mentor or whatever um, and we were dating during that season but yeah, I don't think that there were red flags, um...
1: The fact that I didn't have friends was a bit of a...
0: Yeah, that was probably the biggest, that was probably the biggest, um... six years apart. That, yeah, that, that wasn't a red flag for me, that was a green flag.
1: <laughs> that wasn't a red flag for me, that was just a flag that I wanted to look at to see if that was gonna
0: affect yeah. and that, and, my life. And that flag didn't show up until marriage either, because... I was I was trying to pretend like man I'm amazing and six years don't mean anything. Six years is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like that's a lot of life experience. I'm 19 freaking years old. Like it just moved I, out of his
1: mama's house. Just
0: moved out of my mama's house. I know how to work. That that's all. I, like I knew I knew how to work. Like I knew I knew how to like work for a job. I know how to stick something through. Like and then that's about it and then I'm like really good us hope warrior and people love me yeah, sure.
1: I'm pretty sure you quoted that don't let anybody look down on you because you're young scripture to me yeah. Which is, uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> that was my anger have put a red flag. she said a red flag <laughs> listen I had a value for the word of God
1: um, he was, was spiritually mature essentially but there was just some other maturity things he grew in, in
0: Good grew yeah But those weren't red flags, that was just like, you had to um, pick what you're gonna choose to have to deal with, I guess, (laughs) people aren't perfect. Like, I think think our fantasy idea of entering into a relationship is like, you are absolutely perfect, and I am working on it.
1: (laughs) Especially coming from the kiss-dating-goodbye-make-your-list culture, which is... uh, you're you're automatically cutting out so many possibilities of people. And this goes for friendships, too. Like, we just want to be friends with people who look like us. And so we make our list either of people that, a husband that looks like us, or something that we don't actually have in and of ourselves that we want to get from somebody else. That's usually what our lists are. It's somebody that looks like me and an area that I struggle in or I don't like that somebody else has you that I don't. Me.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: Which, I would say, I, I had to throw my list away, but when I went back to look at it years later, you were so many of those things on that list, but not because I went searching for that, those things.
0: Including black. Including black. It's so weird that you had that on there. That's, that's weird. So that's That's weird,
1: though. And, and wears Maybe. nice shoes,
0: and yeah. can dance.
1: Yeah. But because I didn't know how to dance, so I wanted someone to know how to dance. Yeah after dance. yeah. all right next question. Okay. um,
0: how did the age difference to both of you affect like you leading the relationship?
1: we actually had a conversation with that in the car outside your house one time because i was like you don't remember this conversation and i don't fully remember it right now either but it was a good one where i asked you what will it look like for I, you as a nineteen year old to cover that. me? I
0: remember that. In, in okay, no, a in relationship. I, remember, I don't remember what I said, but I remember that question.
1: Because but, I I'm like I was 24,
0: twenty four? Twenty five. Yeah. 25. I was
1: twenty-five, you were nineteen. It's crazy. Um I and I remember we were talking on the phone before we had even started dating. I was like, I'm gonna want kids. I don't know if we were should ever been talking about this, but I I just laid it all out because I was like, This is what this is what you would be getting, and I don't think you actually know that you're up to the challenge. Like, I'm six years older than you, I have lived a lot more life than you, I'm gonna want to settle down quicker than you probably, cause I'm like, your your young years are gonna be, like even yesterday you had a moment when, you could share, but you, like you, those young years of being a single 19 year old, 20 year old guy, yeah. you're not gonna have those if you choose me, cause yeah. I'm gonna want, yeah stability and
0: yes so yeah. I, I thought i knew the reality that i was stepping into i didn't
1: and we found that out pretty quickly when we got pregnant four months into marriage and we were 21.
0: and i'm crying on the bathroom floor like my dreams are being stolen <laughs> <laughs> true story
1: <laughs> and there was a moment where we said babe i'm about to take that pregnancy test i'm gonna be down you better be up <laughs> yes. not up
0: No, nope, nope that was it that was it and um Oh, I'm so glad we got pregnant. Because now when I'm 40, I'm going to be getting buckets on my child's head.
1: So. I'm going to be laying on the couch because I'm six years older and
0: he can chase after them. <laughs> um, what were we saying?
1: Uh, how did the age difference affect?
0: Effect. Yes, um, I think it was just life experience. Like, she had um, you've just gone through a lot more life.
1: Um, I have a lot of people who actually ask me this question. Um,
0: it, it it works. I mean, look at us. But like, at, at the same time, like...
1: You say that, but you were the 19-year-old kid.
0: That's true. That's true. I,
1: people ask me this a lot, and I'm like, there's certain things... F- you have to know outside of their age why you're choosing them. You can't be like, oh, they're going to eventually grow up. Like, right. they're eventually going to figure it out. And it the age gap definitely created some codependent cycles in us because you didn't know how to wake up without me waking right. you up. And I was I was feeding those things that you yeah. didn't figure out in younger years that I had figured out because I'm six years older, yeah. I had gone to college, I had figured out different habits like that. Yeah. Um, and so I always say that there's just a different level of maturity and not in like, oh, he's such an immature, but maturity, when you mature, you learn different habits and practices and just different things that you don't necessarily
0: yeah. when you're younger. felt like I was playing catch-up. Yes, I do remember you saying that a lot. felt like I was playing catch-up. Um, but once I started having compassion on myself, I'm like, she chose me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Being secure in that reality, like, oh, you, you chose me. And I'm and I'm not using that as a defense against you. Yeah. But I'm saying that because, oh, I am chosen, and I get to show up to my life right now, where I am. And I think um, one of the anchors for me was this is our story. Like what what am I comparing it to? Like being six years what who what two people am I comparing that to? Because that's the question. A first grader and a seventh grader. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean like uh, Jim Jim and Joanna are you know the same age and 23 yeah they're two days apart and oh my god I, that, that's one story yeah. that's one story and i think when we can step outside of the oh she's six years older than you what are you comparing that to
1: and there, around this time there were a lot of people that were dating younger boys and i, I took it as like well they're dating. my whole family are pumas all, mom, all the women are pumas
0: yeah, that's kind of how married that's kind of funny. to younger
1: men.
0: Yeah, but I think we're the biggest gap. Yeah, we are the biggest. Yeah. Man. Yeah, but I would say I'm probably the furthest along, though. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, all right, more questions. Yeah. 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 Um, as a man in the relationship, understanding the age uh, gap, did you have, at any point feel your ego being bruised? And how do you deal with that How do you cope with that? Because man, you know. Yeah, you wanna lead. You're made you're made to lead. You're made <laughs> that way. Um I don't think I ever really um outwardly struggled because I I appear confident because of, more of my personality, but I get afraid a lot. <laughs> and I think with, with our relationship, I think I um, more so imagine that i was doing better than i was instead of just being okay with where I, where i was at and knowing that oh i'm actually growing in certain areas i'm i'm learning how to lead like the manhood you don't just fall into it um and this is good for us ladies in here to, to hear as well because i think a lot of times at, as a woman, you you have this ex- um, expectation of my knight in shining armor, the man after my heart, and and manhood, it's going to be important that even as you, you date, like, you know, like, oh, what, what was your relationship like with your dad? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's not to disregard somebody. That's not to, like, say, all right, not dating you because you had a, like, yeah. my biological dad is in prison and my stepdad was not present at all and drank through my whole so like, I didn't have a great father in my house that actually showed me how to do manhood. But manhood is something that is actually imparted. Yeah. It's by rubbing shoulders with other men. We were we were made that way. And it's and it's not this thing of like because um, I, I know like right now there's a lot of, a lot of stuff about toxic masculinity and and all of these things and um, leading The the misconception of leading is that it's from the front, but, but leading is me laying down my life Mm -hmm. and then I earned the right to lead through how I lay down my life. Mm -hmm. She gives me that space. She, she, she gives me the space of making decisions for our family. And that's through me laying down my life. And I, I think, um, laying down my life, meaning i am looking for the interests of my family and not my own mm-hmm. just for like yeah um but yeah getting getting around other men that are doing life well um we we're made to to conquer we're made to go on adventure um, not that women aren't but men have this innate man i have to hurt something i have to feel like i'm a hero somehow like, I, I need to feel like I just conquered something. And the woman is not the thing to be conquered. That's good. <laughs> the, the woman is pretty much the one that's gonna tell you where to go and what's conquered.
1: <laughs> but from a place of trust, like, I, people, Part, as much as it, I trust him as the head of our home but we're partners in everything yes. that we do and so it's not like me submitting to him as a wife means that he calls all the shots yeah. it's a partnership but there's sometimes when he, I let him make the choice and I trust that because he's the head of the household and there's sometimes when it's vice versa because yeah. he's submitting his life to mine yeah. and so to think that it's just the man is here and everybody follows suit is just it's not Correct.
0: Yeah, we've, yeah. We've, we're partners in everything. We're, we're co-laboring. Mm-hmm. And um, becoming really good at making decisions has been really important for me leading our house. Um, that, like, at the end of the day, decisions have to be made. Because we're mo- our life is moving, and someone has to be able to take the courage. Because it's afraid to um, it's terrifying to make decisions sometimes. Like Do we decide left or right? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a decision and know that we can face it, whatever the circumstance or the outlier probabilities are, or whatever. Um, and so, me learning to like actually make decisions consistently um, and on a practical level, like when we're like stressed out in trouble, I gotta I got to make sure like, okay, if, if I can't make a decision right now, I need to go talk with someone to help me make a decision so that I can like actually get to a point of decision. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answered that, but yeah. I just, I just want to say, I, my husband and I have
1: been married for 12 years. Uh, and these are the things that we're just learning in the last few years. Uh, and please don't start that podcast. Oh. <laughs> Y'all let this back. <laughs> Right, there was no nothing, of emotion, yeah. Health. yeah. yeah. Health relationships, or like, we had no mentors, we had yeah. no, it was just, like, I'm a good little right. Christian boy, and we'll figure it all out. Yeah. And it's, we have gone through so many things. I'm like, didn't know we didn't even know we had pain, that we, yeah. mm-hmm. we didn't like your, your car ride battle. yes. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I appreciate yeah. so much. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's so good. And our in our our goal is connection.
1: Yeah.
0: Our goal, our goal in having disagreements, having trying to hash out stuff is connection. But here's. But I the, remember
1: that being. So, oh, sorry, baby. I was
0: gonna say. Here's the thing. Of, the thing about that though, you can't just say like, all right, our goal is connection in this conversation right, right now. Because then it feels ewey and you no, don't want. No. No. It, it. It's no. That's a that's a actual yeah. belief.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Like, the goal being connection is a belief. Right. That's good. Come on. Does that make sense? It doesn't come out in words. Right. You, gotta, you gotta realize what your goal is through your actions. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because connection is built through trust. We're not having this conversation so that I can just give you connection out of it. It's so that we can build trust with each other yeah. so that we can connect.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right. What were you going to say? That's what i was say. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, a good yeah. Yeah. so codependent versus independent and how is that connected?
1: Wait, can you say it one more time? It's not registering in my brain for some reason. When you, in your relationship, transitioned from being codependent into like interdependent, getting more healthy, you said that that is connected, or when you're codependent you would put stuff on a shelf, so how did that change
0: and
2: like how
0: is that connected, if that makes sense? Yeah, I think well, you, I, I want to try to there you, okay. um, <laughs> you go okay my mind just went like you
1: go that stuff on the sh- we put that stuff on the shelf because we didn't have tools to bring it down and actually work through it it was all of it was It's going. we were in cycles and when we didn't know how to break out of the cycle we would just put it on the shelf because then it's like then we're having the same argument, same conversation, same powerless feeling, same overwhelm, same I shut down, he leaves, disconnected. Okay, we don't know how to fix that, let's just put it on the shelf. Um, and so the codependency was in the cycles that we were creating of
0: um, also um, the codependency is um, it's it's pretty, you can identify pretty quickly. Um, you can have codependent relationships outside of marriage, with friends. Um, it's Codependency cod- is a lack of trust
1: in yourself. And so you need somebody else to tell you what to do or to feel like you're good enough or to be affirmed in an area. Codependency has nothing to do really with a relationship. It's your lack of relationship with yourself. And so it's in, it came from the addictions world because the codependent was the one, the addict's wife, who was aiding and abetting their addiction. Yeah. But because she didn't have a lack, she had a lack of self respect and resolve and value and love for herself. And so she was just trying to,
0: and it could have been and, vice versa. And another, um, it is, um, I know you said it's not about relationship, but it kind of is, um, partly as well, because. With codependency, it's a lot about control. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna control how you're gonna respond to me because I know I know what that res like if I say this to that, I know what I'll get from that response. Right. Um, instead of me saying what's honest. Yep, yeah. honest Which comes uh, back to you um, being you. Honesty, yes. Honesty will break codependency real fast. Yeah,
1: okay. And I always say the best way to get rid of codependency is to starve it. Because as soon as you start feeding that thing of like, oh, that person's gonna get mad, then I need to, I'm not gonna bring that thing up, I'm just gonna
0: keep. I need to rescue. Well, every time I bring this up, they shut down, so Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna bring it up. Right, good. That's codependent. Mm -hmm. So, oh, actually, man, I got, I have to bring this up. Hey, when, when you shut down, I brought this up three different times, I tried to create a safe space for this, but now, When I bring this up and you shut down, that actually makes me feel like I can't actually have this conversation that I feel like is affecting our trust.
1: Because the reason we stay in a codependent cycle is because the outcome of us starving that thing, of actually being like, this is how that made me feel, it's uncomfortable and it's pain and that person is now all of a sudden mad at you and we're trying to cut that, like make that thing not happen so then we're continuing a cycle.
0: or you don't want to face the, re- the p- potential rejection yeah. of a person
1: mm-hmm.
0: like hey that thing that you said hurt me wait what do you mean what do you mean <laughs> that that hurt you yeah. um well how, how you say it well that's how i talk it's it's how i talk yeah you're yeah you're yeah that is how you talk you do you do talk like that yeah yeah Hey, actually, I I know that's how you talk, but how you're talking like hurts. Yeah. And and I spent some time thinking, I was like, is this is this me? I tried to figure it out. But like when you said that, this is what I felt. Can you see, can you make that connect? Like that conversation, like having that space of vulnerable, authentic, letting you see me honest pain will break codependency. Yeah. And it starts it only starts with one person. It's not like, all right, we got to meet in the middle codependent, because that's codependency. Right.
1: <laughs> right.
0: If you do it, I'm going to do it.
1: And this is why having that strong relationship with yourself and that empowering, I only get to control me, comes into play because then when they react in whatever way they react or they get triggered or they get hurt or offended or they shut down or shut out, you tell yourself, I get to I get to control me.
0: This is in marriage, too. Yes. Oh, yeah. like, like, we've done it where it's like, hey, like, You're really triggered right now. and Everything you're saying is probably not the best, like in this space, so I'm gonna need you to go talk to And we do it in a kind way. Like I'm not just gonna patronize. I know you're triggered, so I'm gonna have compassion. I'm not gonna feed into that. Like actually, right right now, the the way that, like your behavior and you're acting, like these are the thoughts I'm thinking to myself. I'm not saying, babe, your behavior right now. (laughs) Not doing that, because that's not gonna help. It's only gonna make me feel better and, and like, oh, I'm not in a codependent cycle, I'm making myself, no, I love you. I care about you. But babe, so, some of the things that you're saying, it doesn't feel like, um, it's like we're actually getting anywhere. You, you know what I mean? And she's like, I hate, I hate this, but yeah, you're right, you're right.
1: And moving from that codependent to interdependent is a lot of bringing other people in 100. so that we can be like, hey, maybe we need to meet with the boxes so that we can figure this thing out. Yeah. So that it's not just, okay, we're going from two codependent people, so now we have to figure out how to be interdependent with just us two. Yeah. It's having outside accountability so that we're not the only two people trying to break out of our codependence relationship. Right,
0: right. And there's times where you tell, told me like, hey, you need to go talk to Rory. Like, yeah, you're right. Okay, or you'll say, to- I'm gonna
1: text Yvonne because I think we need to
0: yeah. get a session and figure this one out. Yeah. Um, yes
1: hi thank you guys you guys are so powerful um uh so my question is going to it's a different direction but um i keep just thinking about your kids i don't know the whole time we're talking and i just feel like the strong sense of like just legacy over you guys and i just want to know like how is a couple as dynamic and powerful and just just so um woke in your emotional, like, health, how are you, like, I guess, passing that down to your children other than, like, by your actions, and also having those um, moments of awareness in this culture where, you know, we tend to go to the people that look like us and talk like us, like, how have you even incorporated just, like, just your own individual diversity and um, bringing...
0: You know, your interracial um, beauty together and Halloween party, yeah. that's your children. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah. I love that. that. I got, there, there's I'm going to uh, add emotionally woke to my Instagram bio. <laughs> <Sorry>. um, emotionally <laughs> you have woke. A <laughs> <really woke>. <laughs> um, couple of years ago, I was at, um, we were at the Sundial Bridge walking with them, um, and Zai, um, now four, I think he was like two and a half or whatever. And he was sitting on the ground and he was playing like with a stick and some rocks. Um, and he was, the way he was moving was like he was like scooching his butt. You know, like when a dog rubs its butt on the carpet? Um, that's why I would never get a dog. Um, but it's scooching. Uh, it's probably because of my poop phobia though. Yeah. Um, but um, as i was scooching uh, across the ground, and I have this thought I wonder if you'll remember this. It's just a random thought. And then the next thought that I I thought was, oh, my God, I can't choose what he'll remember. This is terrifying. I can't choose what moment in the next 18 years that's going to be on his brain. I don't know. This is why it's so important to be present at all times. Because you don't know what moment Lil Zai's is gonna remember. And to to answer your question, I think when it comes to um, moments, you know, and, and not knowing what moments are the moments. I think it's the Holy Spirit. Like you we're at a disadvantage not knowing which moment their brain is gonna attach a memory to. And so, Holy Spirit, help me to identify not perfection. But do I know how to show up? Because I don't want to teach Zai to avoid pain. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. And we don't we don't teach it by like, hey son, stay away from that. We we, we teach it by just our actions. And so and what what I, I know you said like, um, how do you like not just your actions, but kids learn who you are through what they see, mm-hmm. and what they experience. Yeah. You know, it's it's not like. Zod listens to what I say, but he's four years old. So I think, um, yeah, but you want
1: to ask? Yeah, and we're, I'm building a relationship with my kids in the same way that I am with anybody else. I'm building trust with them. I'm building connection with them. And so when I get it wrong, I I say I got it wrong. And I teach him how to apologize. I teach him how to own his mess. Um, I teach them how to feel pain and what to do with that. And that sounds weird, but we were in Canada a couple years ago and you know how in Reading it takes seven minutes to get anywhere? In my city that I grew up in, it takes 30 minutes, 40 minutes to get anywhere. And we were driving and Zy was crying in the back. And my mom was like rummaging through the glove compartment in the sack trying to like hand them things and like, shaking little things in front of him. And I was like, mom, stop doing that. He's gotta learn how to sit with it and just figure it out and he's gonna be okay. And it gave me such this picture, She's like, and then she said, oh wow, oh, I never did that with you guys. And it gave me this picture of, so often we're so pacified all the time, but it started when we were little and our parents didn't know how to do it with their own pain and their discomfort. And so they were trying to keep us from feeling our own pain and discomfort. And I wanna teach my kids that, yeah, pain is okay
0: it's but but that's because we actually know how to face pain right because you're not running away from it you can't give away what you don't have and that's that's a terrifying reality It's like uh, i want you to have this but i haven't gone after it myself you know and that's why parenting is freaking tough but it's actually easier if i'm actually doing the work because naturally, man, that stuff's gonna rub off on me. Because
1: it's, it's the work for us now, but for our kids, it's just gonna be how they do it. For us, it's the work because nobody taught us how to do it, so it is work. Yeah. But people ask me on Instagram some, sometimes, like, how do you get your? Because Zai is really emotionally aware. And the other day, I was I was talking to him about something, and he was like, No, no, you misunderstood what I
0: said. And we looked at each other, we're like, What? <laughs> Yeah, you're right, you did misunderstand. Can you, can you
1: re-explain the synopsis? But it's like, I'm teaching, he knows emotional language because we use emotional language. And he, any time, we have this feelings wheel on our fridge, and he started learning how to identify what he feels, but he would run, grab the wheel, and point to the emoji, this is, this one, I feel this one, and this one. And then we would talk about it, and we would process why he felt that way, and it's teaching him how to process pain and disappointment and frustration
0: and that emotions aren't scary
1: yeah
0: yeah that you're not you're not at the mercy of your emotions you know and yeah um i have
1: so many questions but um kind of like a two-part one um within like triggers in marriage how what's your balance of like this is something from my past that your action feels like it's bringing up yeah. your action is painful, but like I have to own my side of it like mm-hmm. where's the balance within relationships of yeah. that yeah. and then also Obviously in marriage everything feels like can feel so high-stakes mm-hmm. when you get triggered if yes. you guys have like a catchphrase or like a like something that you're like oh that helps like recenter you in a moment that feels really like
0: high intensity. yeah yeah. that's a really good question
1: i think because we have a lot of trust through doing the work together that we we always keep short accounts with each other and so because we would go days disconnected like days silent treatment days try to come back didn't work out and we lived in trigger city
0: Oh, went so to Trigger Mart and then left them with the <laughs> door, and went to Trigger Toy Store. Trigger everywhere. So,
1: and a lot of it at the beginning was my triggers because I had a lot of ex-boyfriend pain that obviously when you're in marriage and you're that close to somebody, it's going to bring up all of the times when you being close to that somebody in the past, you got hurt. Um, and it can feel really messy because it just kind of starts spewing out and you don't know where it starts, where it ends, where he starts, where he ends. And so me, when I got, as soon as I found out I was pregnant with my first, we were only four months into marriage, we were already messy, yucky triggers coming up in me. I knew, oh, there's stuff inside of me that is going to affect this kid if I bring... I'm I'm codependent. I'm afraid. I'm horribly insecure. I don't trust myself. I need Dante to tell me that I'm okay all the time. And so I went and did my own work. So I went to therapy for 18 months. Yes. I think it was apart from and, you. And
0: when, when you did that, I just started escaping. Yeah. Yeah. So she did work and I did not.
1: Because he thought it was all my step. Which yes. a lot of it was circumstantially, but the interactions of, were both of us.
0: Yes. And I think one of the ways where, when a trigger comes up, and you're like, okay, you triggered me, but it's also stuff from the past. Each individual needs to own their part. Yeah. Because I think in that space of ownership, man, I I did show up late, and you you're used to people, you know, or you you had people show up late in your life, and it just triggered you by me coming late. Well, I still need to be on time. Like, I actually still need to make sure I'm home on time and I'm not going to focus on, oh, I know this about you and I know that this is triggered from this and you're pissed off at me yeah. because of this thing. I'm not going to point to that because that's me actually self-protecting.
2: Yeah.
0: Like, like me focusing on that is me not owning this, which is me self-protecting. But instead, man, ah, babe, I'm so sorry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna focus on what I need to own. I'm so sorry because I trust, I trust that you're gonna focus on what you need to own.
1: Right, and mine was not dipping, not, in, not letting power, the powerlessness I felt because of my past be my reason for reacting and blowing up or I'm not really a blow-up kind of person, I'm more of a shut down kind of person, yeah. but my triggers don't, aren't my excuse. My triggers are just a red flag that is waving of, hey, you, this is your pain and you need to deal with it, not how can I just suck you into my yeah, pain.
0: Yeah, and I and I own what I can own. Like, yeah, babe, I, I did show up late. Um, I'm really sorry about that. Um, I need to do a way better job at that. And I leave it there. Is there is there anything else that that you feel like you need from me with that, while knowing that she just got triggered like i'm fully aware but i'm not afraid of her triggers I'm, I'm not afraid of you swirling i'm not afraid of you losing your crap because of something that i did i am very secure in me and i can bring my full self even when i've made a mistake because i'm not partnered with shame I'm, this isn't me being prideful i'm i'm not going to give way to shame because shame causes me to retreat shame says that i'm not enough but actually i am the man for you
1: and the same on the other side of having the messy story and the triggering past is i had to own my story not let it be the thing that was just allowed me to get triggered all the time i had to actually go back in my story and realize that there was a lot of shame that i still carried because of that and i used it to victimize myself and to give myself an excuse for being messy and emotionally whatever. So I had to go back in my story and own that so that I could actually bring that. And so it wasn't messing up our story.
0: Yeah. And um, counseling. <laughs> yeah, oh, <okay. laughs> Counseling and us putting into work.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Counseling, you go and they lay out, hey, here's what you can do. And it's up to you to take it up and yeah. freaking run yeah. with it. Mm-hmm. Because I want this to not just work. I want this to thrive. Yes. I, I want this to be a beacon of hope for other lives and other marriages. Yes. And I want my boys to do the same, you know? Yeah. 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 I'm curious as to what your guys' um, relationship and block with God looks like as a couple versus like your own personal five time with Jesus and Chantel gets up
1: at
0: 4.45. Mm. Makes me tired thinking about it. Um, That is not my portion in life. (laughs) Um, But my portion is my sons that wake up at the crack of dawn as well. Um, is a lot like Chantel. I'm like so i'm so grateful it might be a little codependent, dependent but i'm so grateful that kobe is not like either of them and he like wakes up slowly i'm like yes there's another Um, so so but um yeah our um when we first started dating
1: we we had this conversation of what do we want our relationship with god to look like together and because i would spend hours in my closet with god i was In a really deep healing season, and so I would just spend hours, and it
0: was just like literally in a real closet, locker closet closet on the floor, yeah.
1: Yeah, and then so we started dating, and I was actually really afraid how our relationship was going to disrupt what I had built with God. And so I remember we met at coffee bar back when it was coffee bar, and with our list of how we were going to bring God into our relationship. (laughs) And
0: this, this is what happens when you don't really have people. Awkward. This is what happens when you don't have people speaking into your relationship. Because <laughs> yeah. at, at one portion of our dating, we didn't have anybody actually. You do weird stuff. You do. Like <laughs> we would yeah. bring
1: lists every week on our date night
0: of how that other person bothered us throughout the week. Yeah. But, it, but, <laughs> but you we want to know what's crazy? You want to know what's crazy? When I think back to that, this is just the weirdest thing. Like, we weren't, like, feeling bad about ourselves. We were like, man, this is amazing. Like, 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 like you're growing me, I'm growing like, you. Like, if
1: you would have put us on a panel back then, we would have been like, you need to make
0: a list of all the things. Create a things. list face so, face so face that, face. that you guys can figure it out really quick. And uh, Melissa Casey, we told her that we were doing that. And she was like, that's weird. Don't do that. Okay, no more lists. We stopped, we stopped doing lists after that time meeting with her. Um, it was literally a... Um, I'm pretty sure it was from the heart. but I remember where we were sitting, and she said, "Okay, no more lists. Y'all aren't doing that. Just show up to a date and enjoy each other." <laughs> yeah. But um, bringing God into our actual actual relationship, um, her relationship. At the end of the day, when we all die, I'ma stand before Him and she gonna stand before Him. Yeah.
1: This was actually somebody. I was in a mom's class one time and somebody asked, like, "How do you how do you deal with like your husband when he?" Kind of treats your children a little bit differently. He doesn't um, like comes home and kind of doesn't connect with them in the way that you want them to. And I think it was Danny Silk. He said, "Your husband's relationship with your kids is going to be different than your relationship with your kids. And at the end of the day, they get to own their relationship and you get to own yours. And I think we think that when we come together um, as one flesh, we just have to meld our. But that's." another version of codependency, of like, yeah. Yeah. how can we bring your relationship with God and my relationship with God and make it work in our marriage? I have my own relationship with God, my my very own, he has his very own, and we so we bring it together, like, he shares what God is speaking to him, yeah. I share, what, it's like, I'm talking about a friend, and he's talking about a friend, yeah. and then we're talking about that same friend, but yeah. together, yeah, not are. like, how do we talk about God? together, as a married couple.
0: Yeah. And, and we prophesy over each other. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we, we get, like, I get a vision from God for her life. Yes, and, like, and those, man,
1: some of those words have marked my seasons yeah. because I, I didn't see them for myself. You're they're always in the middle of the night. Wow. Yeah. He wakes me up at 3 a.m. giving me a prophetic word and don't goes back to them. sleep.
0: I and I type it on my phone,
1: don't like
0: groggy, and then I press the button. But I, 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 I pray for her when she's asleep. I put my hands on her. I just pray for her. And I tell him to be quiet. No, there's that <laughs> one time. One so time though, I'm going in. I'm pretty sure angels are in the room, the third heavens. I'm like shaka ba da And I got my hands on and she's like, can you be quiet? <laughs> like, uh, okay, vulnerable. All
1: right,
0: the angels says, <laughs> great. <laughs>
1: But I love that I get I can trust his relationship with God and vice versa. We're not creating something to get and we do. We do our God God is the center of our family. We're always asking my, our son like, what is God speaking to you? Like, what does Jesus say about it? Sometimes that when he watches a show, I, I say, the Holy Spirit tells you not to watch a show, you're not going to watch that show, and sometimes he'll do it.
0: Yeah, so many times um, I'm about to like, make a decision or something, and I'm like, Chantel, can you like help me make this decision? She's like, I'm going to trust whatever the Holy Spirit says to you. I don't know if you know how often you do that, but you do that so often. Because God often.
1: is a way better advice giver than I am, and so I can give my advice, we can... but but I trust God in you and yes. so yeah. um, at the end of the day I trust your relationship with God that you've built up outside of yeah. me
0: yeah. And, that, and that shows that shows in how we love each other that shows in how we forgive each other that shows how quick we are to own things because there's some times where I walk away and I'm convicted by the Holy Spirit and I don't feel shame I'm reminded of who I'm supposed to be in His family yeah. and so yeah
1: um, Dante that you were kind of like a peacemaker type of personality going into marriage, and um, now you're kind of growing in this interdependent relationship. So, what was like the biggest key for you mm-hmm. in coming awake to like your own internal
0: world and being able to bring that to your wife? Rigorous honesty. Yeah. At every single moment, I've been completely honest not knowing what's on the other side of that. Yep. That no matter what cost, I will be completely, this is how that affected me. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I like this. But very like, and mm-hmm. being aware, oh, I wasn't honest, Dang it. I gotta go back and tell her that I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about small stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, babe, I pretended that I liked that because you liked it, I don't like it. Starting small, cause I think sometimes we realize like, oh my God, I'm the peacemaker in everything I do. How do I take this giant? <laughs> you know, when actually it's just a day in and day out. I'm gonna be intentional with this moment right here, and and that's that's where you begin to, to break down this, <coughs> this this false responsibility, really, yeah. like false responsibility yeah. of what I think I should be. And I think you'll realize on the other side of being honest is that the world is waiting for your real self yeah. to show up and and once that responsibility that false responsibility of being a peacemaker or being the one who um, who has to be the confident one or being the one who always has to be joyful but like all these responsibilities <laughs> that we felt in our families that were adopted mm-hmm. we begin to break those down being our most honest selves and we realize on the other side there's so much more freedom available for you to really show who you are to the world yeah. and not everybody's gonna like that i think a lot of times we avoid being honest because we realize man this person i created people really like that mm-hmm. and now i'm addicted to the person that people like versus me being my true self and if people like me or not and that's something that you grew into have compassion on yourself that you were given that role when you were at an age that you didn't have a choice mm-hmm. like you didn't know what was happening to you I didn't know I was being made the peacemaker like I didn't know that that, that was where my significance started to come from as a young kid you know like and I look back on that boy and I'm like man oh, you did, you did your best so, so right now, I'm trying to live out of that. Oh, just, oh, oh, Dante. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to have compassion on me, even if nobody else does. Yeah. Because I deserve that. Yeah. That'll allow you to be a lot more honest. Yeah. woo <laughs>
1: We hope you guys enjoyed part two of this two part episode series. Yes. Um, We, I know we said this at the beginning, but we literally had so much fun doing that and getting to have conversations with creatives. And the room was just really hungry and really willing to learn and um,
0: hungry for information to thrive. Yeah. Just good
1: soil for good seeds to land on
0: yeah it was it was a lot of fun talking with them and dialogue and they had some really great questions that i was like man i i love the way that y'all are thinking about going after things and dreaming and about yourselves and so that was a lot of fun for us we hope that you got something out of hearing that conversation um and yeah just let us know if um you have more questions from that dm us right away Like I said in the beginning. Um, But yeah, thank you guys for listening to Undoing the Complex. And we will see y'all next time.
1: Bye.